You're listening to Market Like a Fintech, a podcast on a mission to find out what marketing strategies and tactics top fintech companies use to acquire real customers, build a brand, and grow revenue. I'm Araminta, your host for today, a marketing consultant at Mint Studios and partner at the Fintech Marketing Hub. In this episode, I'm chatting with Mark Winnitz, Chief Marketing Officer at Rapid. Mark has experience as a senior marketing leader working with multi-million dollar budgets and a background in enterprise software, SaaS and systems integration markets. What's Rapid? Rapid is a fintech as a service platform which lets businesses collect and disburse money locally through preferred payment methods. Rapid now offers 900 alternative payment methods ranging from cash, e-wallets, local card networks and a lot more. They currently operate in over 100 countries, hit $100 million in revenue in 2020 and were recently valued at $2 billion earlier this year. In this episode, Mark and I talk about his experience with SaaS and fintech companies, who Rapid's target market is and how Rapid is building a developer community. Let's hear from Mark. So, Mark, you have extensive experience uh, working in SaaS companies as well as fintech companies. So my first question to you is, in what ways would you say that marketing a fintech company is different than marketing a SaaS company? You know, they're not necessarily that different uh, when you're talking about the type of fintech that Rapid is, uh, really because, you know, we're an infrastructure company and we're moving payments to the cloud and by that nature of it, it essentially becomes sort of SaaS-like, right? Um, maybe the the differentiation is more about, is it a business-to-consumer fintech play versus a business-to-business fintech play? You know, Rapid's really squarely in the business-to-business fintech play where, you know, sometimes our end customer is another business or their end customer would be be a consumer, but we're still selling to another business. So a lot of the principles, I think, of, you know, the state of what current B2B marketing is, even if it's really SaaS heavy, you know, still apply to the type of fintech that Rapid is. We're doing, you know, large scale global payments infrastructure uh, and embedding fintech capabilities via things like APIs into, you know, business processes. So you know, there's a, you know, there's a set of things that marketers do kind of around, you know, operationalizing how you market to that type of audience. And so we're sort of following, following that, I would say. Nice. And we will touch on that a little bit later, kind of how you are more focused on sales, I guess, at Rapid. And then you're kind of maybe... That's kind of been evolving in the past year or so with COVID and everything. Uh, is that what you mean when you say B two B that that's the main differences? Well, um, no, I think I think the really the the primary difference is just that when you are a marketer and you're you know trying to get your product you know to be considered in a buying process, you know really that that audience really matters, and so the things that you do matter, right, in terms of you know, who that audience is, how you talk to them, you know, who you target, how you target them, you know, et cetera. So a lot of B2B marketing, whether that's you're a fintech, you know, you're a pure SaaS company, maybe you're not in fintech, you're still, there's still basic things that you have to kind of go back to, to, um, you know, have a baseline of success, right? And so those are things like understanding you know, what is an ideal customer profile, right? In Rapid's case, it's actually a very complex answer because we actually 
sell to such a large global marketplace. Uh, and we actually sell to both enterprises and to small businesses, which are still enterprises, but it's a different kind of sale. So I think that's really kind of the, the, the thing is, do you understand who the audience is you're talking to? Do you have the right set of targeting in place? Is the messaging aligned both to the personas you're trying to target? In other words, the people that are involved in that buying process. And then, you know, it, it takes on another ordinate of complexity when you're someone like Rapid, where you're doing that at scale globally. So, Well, that, that actually leads on to my next question, which was going to be, who is the ideal Rapid customer? Who is your target market? And you've just said enterprise and small businesses, but I know it's difficult to generalize, but in what kind of businesses are those? Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, um, I mean, if we just take a step back and we talk about what Rapid does, maybe let's just start there. And then, you know, we can kind of get into kind of who those businesses are, right? So just the, the core problem that Rapid is solving is how do you help, you know, businesses um, and essentially at the end of the day, consumers, if they're, if they're working with a, a business um, as they're part of their business model, um, how do you help um, them pay and be paid the way that they want to be? And um, that's actually a very complicated thing. So, you know, as soon as you step out into the world from whatever local market you're in, right? I happen to live in the United States. Um, I believe right now you're you're located in in the UK. And the way that that businesses and consumers pay each other, and the way that they want to be paid, like if they're you know being you know dispersed funds out from something like you work for Uber as an example, those are radically different as soon as you step outside of your home country and you go into another market. And so what Rapid does is we essentially provide uh, essentially the full set of capabilities that businesses need to implement to support any kind of a business process um, where they can build any kind of a fintech application. So that's anything from the payment methods that are needed, right? I want to be able to pay somebody with a credit card, a local debit card. You know, it could be a bank transfer. It could be from an e-wallet. It could even be cash, uh, any of those things. And then, you know, having all of the things that go aside with that, right? To be able to make that transaction occur. As soon as you start dealing with money, you know, it's not just, can I pay you? But I've got to be able to, you know, go through a compliance process or an anti-money laundering process, right? I've got to be able to onboard that that merchant or that business to know that I can work with them, right? There's local regulatory issues, there's tax issues, there's, you know, a variety of things related to if I'm doing things cross-border and I have to deal with foreign exchange, you know, FX as an example. So all of that gets wrapped up into a, a series of APIs that Rapid makes very easy for companies to embed in their business processes. And then that's actually not enough. You then got to have a way to plug into you know, local payment methods around the world, right? If I'm uh, working with a merchant in Indonesia and they accept e-wallet payments from any of the 50 e-wallet providers in that market... Yeah, that's a very complex thing to kind of go deal with. So Rapid, the other part of Rapid is we've essentially gone around the world and, you know, aggregated together hundreds of local payment networks. Um, and essentially we make that really an easy button for payments. You just sort of plug into the Rapid API, you know, get the capabilities you need, and then you plug into the Rapid Global Payment Network to enable whatever is the one of over like a thousand payment method types you need. And now you can provide that local experience. So that's just just level setting. That's sort of the problem that Rapid is solving, which is an incredibly complicated problem. Um, and then you know when you talk, you, you asked me about you know enterprise versus SMB and and the the ideal customer uh, yeah customer profile that Rapid deals with. So you know we work really on both sides. Originally, Rapid started working with 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 large scale enterprises, right? 
you know, think of the largest technology companies in the world. These could be anything from a you know a large technology company to a marketplace to a you know a, a global e-commerce provider. Um, you know, even um, you know someone that's doing stuff in in just the direct B two B space, like things like shipping and logistics. Right? They all have these same problems um, because they're working with customers all over the world. So that's sort of one set of customers that Rapid you know historically has dealt with. But what we've seen is that you know there is a real interest, actually, especially because of COVID and this you know, unique point in our our lives that we're living through. Right? We're, we're hopefully we're kind of getting to the other side of this. We're coming out of it. You know, there's a lot of small and medium businesses that have had to rethink how they are operating. Right? And you know, there's nothing that says you can't work with somebody in a different part of the world if you're a small business if your business is set up that way. Right? So if I'm a you know let's say I'm a personal trainer. Um, and I live in Brazil. Why shouldn't I have, you know, customers that I serve in the United States or in England, as an example? I, I can, right? I can just do things, you know, in a, in a Zoom call. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing this digital acceleration of payments that's happening because of of COVID. Rapid's well positioned to support that, and we're seeing lots of small and medium businesses that know that they need to get online you know, to kind of be successful. And Rapid just happens to be a very unique company as a startup that can kind of serve both of those markets. Yeah, that's super, super exciting. And I always love talking about how, you know, it's. I was just telling close friends and family, they think it's so easy, right? You just click on a button and the payment happens. But actually on the back end, it's a lot more complicated and there's so many middlemen. And essentially with Rapid, you're trying to reduce that to one, right? Just Rapid. And then you get... Th- hundreds, hundreds of payment methods or thousands, right? That's exactly right. And and actually, if you double click on the on the problem being solved, you know, so the problem that exists is that that whole process is very complicated, even for the largest companies in the world that have huge payments teams, right? If you think about the the Fang types of companies, even these are the largest payment companies in the world, or sorry, the largest enterprise in the world with very extensive payments teams. You know, literally hundreds of people that know what they're doing. Even for them, this is a hard problem to solve, right? You know what you just stated, and it's actually it's really interesting. It goes back to Rapid's origin story, which was originally Rapid was meant to be a business to consumer wallet play, and so we were trying to solve a problem of. Essentially, being able to allow a consumer, you know, to be able to send or receive money, kind of anywhere in the world, potentially not even initially without having to have a bank account. And so, we actually picked an initial market to launch in, which happened to be the UK. Went through this process of of figuring out how to integrate the the local payment networks we needed to get together. There were licensing requirements, there were regulatory issues, tax issues, AML compliance. All that just to just to turn on one country to kind of go do this, and when we launched the the company, we started to go market. How could we get consumers to download this wallet where you could kind of make these transactions where you can pay and be paid however you want to locally, right? And the outcome of that was that all these enterprises looked at Rapid and they said, "Hey, you know that thing you're doing with your consumer wallet? We actually have this problem. Can you help us with it?" Right, and that was the light bulb that went off for Rapid. That was the that was the pivot Rapid made. We were a different company then. We were called Cash Dash, and Rapid became this enterprise infrastructure play where we said, "Okay, the real problem here is, let's go create the whole technology stack that's API driven and give these enterprises this way to to solve this problem." So it is really really complex, and it's complex whether you're you know a Fang or whether you're an SMB. You, you still have the same issue you're trying to solve. I'm just trying to be able to sell to an expanded market, but in order for that experience to happen, I've got to be able to meet the consumer where they are, and I've got to be able to give them a local payment 
you know, experience. I mean, you can do all the greatest marketing in the world. If you just think about e-commerce for a second, you can do all the greatest marketing in the world. You get to the last step in the process. And if the consumer can't pay you because they don't have, you know, you don't have a way to accept whatever is their payment method, you know, you're, you're done. Right. And so there's no sale, there's nothing. And so this is a really, really complicated problem, regardless of the size or the scale. And this really goes back to your original question of, you know, yeah, we're serving a lot of different markets, but it kind of doesn't matter. Everybody has the same problem. Yeah, so exactly. You're serving, you know, sole traders, one one person self-employed to huge fan companies. How yeah. do you adapt your marketing mix to that? Like how how where do you even start? Because you can't really just narrow down. You you your your target market is everyone. So where do you even start with that? Yeah, no, it's a it's a really, really huge problem. Uh, and it's a really, really big challenge, I would say. Uh so you know, the first thing is you have to be intentioned about what you're doing. You you can't, even with the problems we are solving and the skill of what rapid is. You know, you 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 can't uh, sell to everybody, so you have to be f- fairly intentioned. So going back to the just that concept of you know who are the right types of of ideal customer profiles. You know, we look at very specific segments in the enterprise space. So for example, Rapid does a lot of work with you know marketplaces. Uh, we're, we happen to be a very very elegant solution that marketplaces are interested in. You know, because they're buying and selling. And what makes Rapid so unique is that we actually do both off the same platform. You know, a, a lot of payment providers that we are competing against, they may do one part of that uh, and do it well, but they don't do the other, or they do or do do or don't do both. But um, maybe they they just don't have the breadth of global coverage that like a Rapid has. So, you know, marketplaces are a good example of of who we would go after. You know, e-commerce is a massive space for Rapid. We do focus on the enterprise side there, but we're seeing more and more. Um, you know, uptake on the small medium business side. You know, we launched what we call a self-service uh, capability within the last, you know, six to eight months that that goes uh, and serves the small and medium businesses, e-commerces. You know, for for that target audience it is a really really intelligent place for Rapid to sit and play in, just because of the scale. And then you know, we're working a lot with you know through partnerships to kind of go. Um, you know, address those markets, right? Um, you know, partnerships are kind of a way of the future for a lot of what infrastructure players like Rapid do. And, you know, we live in a, a large scale world where it's sort of a, you know, a coopetition thing, right? So, you know, you've got these e-com platforms, you know, out there that are serving their customers, you know, providing, you know, shopping experiences. They're also providing payments, yet they still can't solve the problem at the scale that Rapid can. And so, that's a natural place for rapid to kind of go fit in. So that kind of goes back to how do you kind of go target and, you know, how do you um, think about, you know, kind of where you place your bets. And the the biggest thing I think for rapid is because we can do so many things at the, at, at the true enterprise level, you know, it's more, we have to place our bets where we think we can get the most traction. There's actually almost an unlimited number of places we can play, but we're trying to kind of keep it focused into, you know, some of the places that I've said. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, PayPal's approach, right? When they realized that they they had like a similar problem to solve, they really skyrocketed when they partnered with eBay, right? Yeah. And this is kind of what you're saying, right? You Rapid has is partnering with specific sectors where there's a lot of traction, so marketplaces, e-commerce, and then I guess kind of people who like like a personal trainer or whatever will kind of find Rapid through the self service area. It, yeah, and that smaller saying. and that smaller segment, you know, you're not trying to market. We're not trying to market to the end. Yeah, you know, consumer per se. That doesn't mean we don't do it, but we're not like necessarily getting down to like an ICP level of personal trainers versus, you know, whatever, uh, you know, someone selling sweaters. So we we actually do do. 
outbound marketing in different ways and also inbound marketing um, through things like content marketing and um, you know so forth and organic search and, and such to attract small businesses but we're trying to kind of funnel them into yeah. you know a platform that then they are probably already working with like if they're you know on an e-commerce platform you know we're kind of helping them make the connection of oh i'm I'm the personal trainer. I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, collect e-wallet payments in another market, you know, but I happen to work on top of uh, Shopify, a Wix, a WooCommerce, and we're kind of saying, hey, if you want to go do this, you know, we're there and we can help you. And so, you know, work with your own provider and you'll get to Rapid. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. You mentioned in an article that I, I read that you uh, wrote that um, about TikTok, uh, brands nowadays mm. are getting exposure in countries that initially weren't their target market, a bit like what you said about your personal trainer in Brazil. So, but even if it's an e-commerce company or whether it's just a small business, how how are they supposed to understand local payment methods if they don't know a lot about the country? Is that where you kind of, are you also trying to educate businesses on what kind of payment methods they should adapt, or is it more of they they kind of they have to figure that out? It's a little bit of all, I think. You know that that's the reality. I mean, the average small business owner or SMB, you know, probably doesn't know anything about local payment methods or very little. You know, what what they may start to see is okay. You know, I've been able to accept credit cards up to this point, but for whatever reason, you know, the market I'm trying to work in, you know, has other mechanisms that you know they currently don't support and they probably realize that you know as they are out there you know working with customers and trying to to build their business right and so you know you start to see things like attrition at a checkout as an example or you know people are just saying yeah i don't have a credit card or i can't use it for whatever the reason is right a lot of markets actually you know consumers don't have credit cards they may have a local debit card but you know that may not work you know, depending on what, whatever the the use case is, so um, that, that's this. Some of this becomes okay. I've sort of become aware that I have an issue. Now, now what do I go do? And then, you know, part of it becomes what is the other marketing that that we have to go do to kind of educate. So we do a, a ton of of really well intentioned and well framed research. You know, Rapid has a pretty significant for a startup act. Anyways, we have a lot of research that we do on things like local payment methods. And you know, we try to maximize not just the research itself, but how we get it out into the world, right? A lot of stuff we do from a public relations perspective around how we get that information out into the world, you know, which gets picked up, you know, by media that gets, you know, reprinted, it gets referenced. Um, and so then you start to kind of expand kind of a, an organic search sort of strategy, you know, that kind of gets yourself out there, right? So when that merchant is like, yeah, how do I, you know, accept an e-wallet payment in Indonesia? And they put that into a search query, you know, your rapid research sort of shows up and that's how they, they come across it. I mean, ultimately, you, you know, there's only so much educating you can do because the world's a big place and we serve so many markets. But that's sort of, you know, one example of, you know, how we might kind of try to try to do some of that that education. Yeah, good old, good old search engine marketing and optimization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, never, <laughs> um, never gets old. <laughs> never, never. You you mentioned yourself that there's there's quite a few payment providers in the market, and there are. I've worked with a few of them, and it's really like becoming quite a a big space, like PayPal, like many others. So how how is Rapid trying to stand out from all that competition? Yeah, you know, great, great question. And uh, there is a lot going on in the market. So if you go back to uh, Rapid's origin story, the way that Rapid started is really unusual. And it'll it'll tie up here. I'll talk you through 
through this, but it'll tie up to your question, right? So we were talking about how Rapid came out with this set of capabilities, this this essentially this AWS of fintech, right? Where we've got all these payment services that you know you can access through a single API and you can kind of plug into this global payment network. What makes Rapid so different from all of our competitors is is we're very unique from how we came about as a startup. So most startups, what typically happens is you know, you find product market fit based on the problem that you're trying to solve, usually in a geographic market. It's essentially almost how most most startups start, right? And so let's just say, you know, you're US-based as an example. You start to get some traction, you know, in the US, you, you get the product market fit working, you're starting to scale the marketing activity, everything's going well. And then somebody on the board of directors or someone on the exec team says, oh, well, you should go international, which generally means like going to Canada or the UK or something like that. In Rapid's case, it's like literally a polar opposite to that, where we knew that the problem was of such significance and scale, we had to have all of these payment capabilities essentially wired up so that people could understand how to go about driving global market expansion. And this this actually touches on on diversity, believe it or not, and we'll get into that in a second. But essentially what, what happened is you know, as we built Rapid and then launched the company, we were essentially scaling the company globally from its inception, which is highly unusual for a startup. It's almost never, never done. Really, you could almost think of it like a build it and they will they will come model. And so what's now happened is we have the ability to, because of this single API that you can access to support all of these different payment capabilities. That then drives the ability to support a diversity of use cases, right? So that could be what we talked about before. It could be marketplaces. It could be e-commerce. It could be logistics. It could be fintech and banking applications. It's it's so many different things, right? So you've got all these use cases. Then you've got, on top of it, all these payment method types that are serving different markets, right? It's yet more diversity, diversity of payments, actually, right? So it's, it's am I paying with a credit card, a you know, local debit scheme, a e-wallet, cash, a bank transfer, what have you, right? And so we enable all of this, you know, through the tech stack and the global payments network. And ultimately, we're actually selling diversity if you think about it. We're sell- we're we're selling diversity of use cases, of technology, you know, and of culture based on how buyers uh, and sellers want to interact globally speaking. We just use fintech to do it, and this is really rapid story at its core. This episode is sponsored by VC Innovations. VC Innovations is a full-stack marketing services agency dedicated to innovation industries with a special focus on fintech. They work with businesses across three key areas of marketing, demand generation campaigns, and event properties, including the must-attend fintech talent festival. Check out vcinnovations.co.uk to find out more. So you prioritize scale, really, so growth as quick as possible, because one of the main advantages of using Rapid is that you cater to so many different countries and you have so many use cases, as you said. So it's kind of your USP, and that's that's kind of the main reason someone would pick you over another payment provider that does only Europe, for example, pretty much. Yeah, or, right? or oftentimes what happens is, you know, there might be a payment provider in market that has some coverage in Europe, but not, you know, all pieces. And so oftentimes we may coexist with other payment providers that that, that mm-hmm. customer is working with. You know, we're not necessarily 
always looking to you know displace another provider although that we, we we obviously like it when that happens but it's not necessary for rapid to be successful mm-hmm. right um and i think it's that global scale uh, and the ability to solve so many different kinds of use cases and then obviously having this huge diversity of payment methods that you can tap into that really is kind of what what separates rapid you know from everybody else yeah, I think the the technical term is blitz scaling. So you you guys <laughs> blitz scaled to to really take over yeah, or grow Reed, as, as as rapidly as possible. A Reed Hoffman reference, I think, is is where yeah, that comes from, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. very he's very big on blitz scaling. Although in his case, I think he was talking about in one sense how quickly you can grow, you know, mm. uh, from an acquisition perspective, which we do that, but then it's also yeah. in our case, it's blitz scaling the actual infrastructure, which I think is a tremendous challenge, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 And exactly. then being able to actually articulate all of that. I mean, there's a lot of work that's gone in from a marketing perspective from us globally to go help educate the market. So like, you know, in 2019 and, and part of 2020, we did a whole lot of work on, you know, helping individual markets understand the payment capabilities that we had in those markets and then actually telling the rest of the world that story. So Rapid actually does a lot of public relations, but probably we're extremely prolific as a PR house for a for a, a startup fintech on a global scale. And we were able to really successfully leverage, you know, telling the Rapid story in local markets around what that diversity of payments capabilities were and how we could support those use cases and then kind of get that out into the world in a much bigger way. And I think um, that really has you know paid dividends for Rapid because of just the the massive reach. It kind of gets lost on people when you sort of say 900 payment methods, the average person doesn't really kind of grasp that. Yeah. So you have to kind of package it up and put it into something that people get. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And from what, so from what I understand, you're marketing process was mostly face-to-face sales, PR, what you said, essentially. When COVID hit, how did you adapt that marketing? Like, how did you move your very outward PR to digital? How did that, yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, we, we, had, we had been doing, you know, digital, obviously, beforehand, but just not at the scale we just were forced to get into, right? So, and when you say digital, I think you need to kind of just Kind of clarify, like you know, events still happen. They were just they all kind of moved online and they were virtual, and so there was a digital aspect to that. But we actually went much deeper. So you know, we we have instead of Rapid, a you know, a global digital marketing and demand generation function, um, which was in place before you know COVID hit. You know, we were already well down the path of doing things with content marketing. You know, very very intentioned approach to organic search uh, and, and global organic search, right? So a lot of content written to appeal to different markets that, you know, kind of reference back to some of the things I've said already in this conversation. So we were already kind of doing some, some of that. Um, I'd say the bigger thing is we decided to, we saw the shift in the market, right? In, in terms of, you know, moving online from a business perspective for the customers we were serving, especially the SMB market. So Really, uh, I'd say one of the biggest things that's happened for us, both as a company and, and for me as a head of marketing, is launching a service capability to appeal to small and medium businesses, which by its nature has to be digital anyways, regardless of you know COVID or not. So we really got into you know paid media in a significant way, I would say. And that was definitely a learning that was and is a learning experience for us. You know, we're doing a lot of work in that there's so much that goes into 
into that. Not typical for kind of you know standard B two B enterprise customers or sorry companies to to do that type of work. You know you might do some paid paid work, but not usually not a lot when you're selling to larger scale enterprises. When you when you get into SMBs though, it, it is the way of the world, right? And so you know the fact that we were going after that market, the fact that there's this massive acceleration to digital payments, and now all these SMBs are flooding online because they've got to figure out a different business model. You know we had to you know go higher and start to build out an organization that understood really how to do that and we've been spending you know quite a bit of time and resource to go to go figure that out so i'd say that that, that's been a big part you know we still do you know like uh, some of the things i've said like we still do a lot of pr that really really works for us we we definitely understand how that works and we really make it work for ourselves and one thing that hasn't changed with covid is everybody still has a device in their hand and they still read stuff so you know Keeping your name out there really, really matters if you can do it in the right way. And we've we've definitely found ways to do that, whether it's publishing our own research, whether it's launching in different countries, you know, whether it's um, you know, taking really interesting viewpoints and talking with the media around the world and having, you know, kind of focused conversations in specific markets that are appealing to those markets. Those all wind up essentially being digital, actually, at the end of the day, because the output gets consumed that way. So it's been it's been a lot of a lot of different things. There kind of is no one thing, and there's no one silver bullet, but it's it's really a conglomeration of a lot of things. Yeah, I think with COVID, everyone was like, okay, now everything does have to be digital, whether we like it or not. So mm-hmm. it was good that at least there was that foundation already. Um, yeah. And actually, from from what I understand, you have recently launched a hackathon. Right, with some yeah. really interesting prizes. Um, I read through it, and it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, where did you get the idea to create a hackathon, and what, what is the objective? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we real we have realized for a long time that the developer community is an audience that we need to to serve, you know, in a very robust way. And rather than just sort of starting a you know a community for Rapid. We've actually launched a global fintech developer community. So you can actually go to that community. It's actually at community.rapid.net. And you can learn really about anything and connect with others working in, you know, that are technical in fintech and learn really about anything that's, you know, important to you. It's a place you can go to understand kind of the latest, you know, trends, techniques, what have you from a technical perspective. You can connect with like-minded, you know, people that understand that space. You know, we take we take all comers, so you can certainly go and talk about Rapid and get support about Rapid specifically. But we actually don't limit it to just us. So, you know, we're we're there to try to build. Uh, we're working on trying to build a really a global a global place that anyone that's in- interested in fintech development can come to. And so, one of the ways to do that, we hadn't really uh, as we were launching the community. Uh, and starting to work that out, we wanted to really open ourselves up to the global developer world. And you know, obviously, as I've shared this conversation, Rapid is truly a global company from its inception. That's how we think about ourselves. It's how we operate. It's who we are. It's our DNA. And it made sense for us to you know, really put ourselves out there in a significant way. So we launched a, a really uh, a hackathon that was really themed you know, from the perspective of you know, kind of a, a a global hackathon for the future of fintech, and we're calling this our Formula 0001 Rapid Fintech mm-hmm. Grand Prix, right? And so the 001 is a developer reference, you know, in terms of you know it kind of plays off the Formula One concept. You know, Rapid, just the name, you know, denotes speed, 
Um, you know, if you look at our brand, especially our logo, which isn't obviously the brand, but it's a part of it, it's got kind of that almost that race car vibe. And so we just sort of said, look, can you iterate, you know, capabilities and and new application ideas in a hackathon and kind of put all those things together and kind of went with sort of the, the, the you know, the Grand Prix theme. And so it's been really exciting for us. We launched the the community, you know, really more quietly in, in kind of the May timeframe, April timeframe. And then in June, um, we launched the hackathon. So you know, we've had, you know, close to a thousand people already sign up. I think there's been nearly a half million views on our YouTube channel on the, you know, the little teaser video about the the Grand Prix, but it's been awesome. I mean, you know, it's been fantastic to see this community start to kind of come together. You know, we're giving away a Porsche. So, you know, a Porsche take on, you know, so that's sort of exciting. You know, it's, some, you know, we're, we're putting some serious money behind, behind it. So that, you know, certainly got some attention, but really what this all draws back to is at the end of the day, you know, developers actually are decision makers much more than people think about, certainly in the payment space and definitely in the SMB space. So oftentimes the developer is the one that's sort of making the decision because they get tasked with, you know, bringing up the e-commerce site or they're working with somebody's e-commerce site already. And that business owner says, Hey, I need, you know, payments capabilities, go, go figure it out and make it happen. You know, they're the ones that are making the decision, right? So we know that this is yet another audience and another very specific, unique persona that we need to talk to. So by building the the developer community for fintech, you know, it gives us a way to be able to be in the conversation and to you know engage. I think honestly, what's one of the more important audiences, kind of really for the future of, of fintech development and also you know business development in in the fintech space. And that's really kind of the, the kind of the reasoning behind it. Yeah, and, and as we've heard before on this show, um, marketing and developers is an oxymoron. You can't really market to developers. Developers talk to each other, right? And so probably the best way to, you know, build a, or encourage a developer to talk about a product is by getting another developer to talk about it. So it's kind of a continuous referral system. And that, that with the community, that's kind of your objective, I'm guessing. It is. It is. And yeah, I mean, I think it's really pretty well known that developers are allergic to marketing. And I think with good good reason, right? I mean, they're it's just not who they are or what they do, right? It's more of a, I'm trying to solve a problem, help me solve the problem, don't tell me what you can do, you know, show me. And they're gonna talk to to those people that have been there and done that, you know, because they're one, they may not understand the topic that well themselves, right? So it's like, you know, if you've done something already and you know it works, you know, help me out and you know, I'll I'll look at this and and so forth. I, I would say, you know, developers are like you know, anybody else in the sense that they're looking for good information. And so I think that's the other thing is that's actually not that different from what we're trying to do just in our overall global marketing approach. We're trying to put out useful, important, you know, tangible information, no matter who we're engaging with. It doesn't even matter if it's a developer or not. For example, we've got things planned where later this year we're, you know, launching, we'll be launching a, you know, a global fintech developer survey. So kind of first, you know, survey of its type that really talks to the fintech developer and gets into what's important to them and what do they think about and what are the languages that they care about and you know what are the problems in fintech development that they're running up against that are unique and in payments and so forth. So you you can still do things from a marketing perspective that talks to the developer persona. It just needs to be useful and authentic to them for them to want to engage. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good tip. So my my last question to you, Mark, is I was actually quite interested in your article about TikTok and 
Uh, although I don't use TikTok myself, I do think I do think it's fascinating just seeing how it's influencing everything. And uh, you do mention in the article how it is changing the way we do commerce. So I would love to hear a bit more about how you think, what do you think of the future? How do you think TikTok will influence the way people shop online? Yeah, it's having an influence now, I would say, right? So, you know, as we see this dis- this dispersion of channels, like TikTok would be one, you know, you could see something like Clubhouse and other audio-only formats that are, you know, socially network-driven as others, plus all the other traditional ones that we all already know and interact with a lot, like on the business level, whether that's LinkedIn or, you know, Facebook. There is now, you know, just this whole concept of, you know, people... Those are at the end of the day, social networks are communities, right? It's really kind of no different in a sense than the community that Rapid is launching that I met, mentioned earlier for developers. And so you've got to understand as a marketer in a business, where are those audiences and you know potentially engage on those platforms because that's where you know potentially buying decisions can be influenced. It doesn't necessarily mean, and nor should you necessarily look for a one-to-one correlation between something you do on a platform like TikTok and, you know, a lead being generated or a sale being made. That's not to say that that can't happen, but you at least have to start to consider, you know, when you have that volume of eyeballs, you know, engaged in something and they're providing a path for you to, you know, have a conversation or at least be be seen, you know, you, you've you've got to, you know, take take those things you know, pretty, pretty seriously. So I think it's still unknown on the B2B side, how something like a TikTok will completely work. But, you know, if you're doing kind of a marketing to small, medium businesses, you you could totally see it. You know, it's really not that different than maybe necessarily like a Snapchat or a Facebook type of format. B2B enterprise, maybe a different story, hard, hard to say at this moment. But I think, you know, more and more, you know, people are always looking for recommendations. They're always looking for interesting new creative ideas. Um, you know, especially because of the pandemic that we're still in, and you know, hopefully coming out from on the other side. You know, people are consuming tons of media, and you know how much were people on TikTok? You know, over the last twelve months, a lot. You know, because it's like what they had. They had extra time on their hands where maybe normally they wouldn't have had that extra time. You're you're looking at that stuff. You're watching it, depending on who you are. Yeah, so it's it's a relevant place, I think, for for marketers to be considering, regardless of you know the, the actual business that you happen to be in, even if you're a B two B infrastructure provider like Rapid. Yeah, I mean, do you think we'll ever have B two B influencers, for example? Because I've heard this before. People think it's kind of an underutilized. There is potential for B two B influencers, and it doesn't have to be someone on TikTok. It could be just someone who's 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 started, who's used a company or set up a company before, has used a lot of different vendors and can then refer these vendors on to other people. That's essentially an influencer. So do you think that could be a thing in the future? Yeah, I mean I think I think it I think it it, it can be. It's actually surprising that it isn't more so. It's an interesting thing to think about. There are people out there today, even in, in the fintech space, right? Like you think of someone like Dave Birch in the UK where you are, um, you know, he's got a very distinguished track record as a you know well-known banking and payments expert. You know, there's there's you know folks like Chris Skinner out there, and you know others. Um, you know, I think they are influencers to to a degree. You know, people will look at look at them and listen to what they say. I think the the question is, and then this is no comment about any of them, but just more of a general comment is. Are they influencers or are they just sort of like celebrities, right? Like if I look at, mm. if we go to the consumer space, you look at someone like any of the Kardashian sisters, 
they're true global influencers that have tremendous economic marketing power through social media. You don't build a billion dollar business like you know Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian West, and you're not an influencer. You you are, <laughs> you know that. Yet you are also a celebrity, right? You know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, on the B two B side, they're they're more well known people. Maybe some of the people that I mentioned that I think people take seriously. But is that enough to be kind of influenced? It's you know, it's kind of hard to say. I think at the moment, but I think it's an interesting area that if someone can kind of crack the code, you know, whatever that is, um, yeah, it could be a massive market. But it, it hasn't happened that easily yet. So I think it's kind of still to be determined. Maybe the term is is better micro influencers rather than influencers. Those are yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be something like that, or it could be, you know, recommenders, or it could be, you know, some other term. But maybe, and maybe we need to think about it in a different construct, right? Maybe it's not so much that they're influencers, but they're, you know, they're just um, providing a a, another level of assurance that maybe you were seeking, you know. Yeah. So a different role, a different role for sure. So, yep. Great. Well, that was that was very interesting. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Armando. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find all the information and show notes over at fintechmarketinghub.com. If you'd like to come on the podcast or just share some feedback, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We're always looking for ways to improve the podcast. That's all for today. See you next time.